0: greetings. Happy Wednesday. This is the Desiree Show on World Tune Radio. First downs and flip tricks. Um, It is the 13th day of July already. I hope you guys had a dynamite week. I've got a really special show tonight for you. As many of you have heard and seen, there have been some special things going on the last few years here in first actually South Dakota and more recently in Montana. I'm super grateful to welcome two men who have been really a part of changing lives through skateboarding. Coming up, skateboarder, park builder, philanthropist, bassist for Pearl Jam, Mother Love Bone, and more, and a guy with some hoop skills, uh, Jeff Ment, and at the bottom of the hour, OG Alva Pro, founder of Wounded Knee, Juice Magazine editor, Jim Murphy, uh, and a special treat for you as well as we'll have both of them on the show together, uh, which is going to be uh, kind of cool, I think. So I'm super, super uh, thankful and grateful to welcome Skateboarder First, musician, artist, collector, Montana Pool Service, uh, humanitarian, and and a huge driving force for making some really special things and lives change uh, through skateboarding, bringing hope to the youth. Uh, Mr. Jeff Ament. Jeff.
1: Hey, Desiree. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Thank you so much uh, for some time tonight.
1: I'm uh, uh, overcome. I'm verklempt. Uh, with all the adulation that you just gave me because I 'm a little embarrassed so
0: um, thank you oh you're welcome i, I mean i could have I, I could probably write a book I was actually quite overwhelmed <laughs> and overcome myself kind of looking you know researching you i'm you know just my hat is off you know and thank you for all that you do it's just beautiful
1: oh it's been it's been so much fun like i, I you know um, the last few years just going around my home state and and really connecting with a lot of communities and reconnecting with friends that live in some of these communities and and uh, you know getting to work with some of the best skate park builders in the planet to, to build this stuff and it's this has been a blast
0: yeah it's and it's been beautiful to kind of observe what 's going on and what 's happening. Um, you know I want to get all into that as well, and I wanted to kind of start though with obviously art music, skateboarding all kind of go hand in hand. How did each of these start for you?
1: Well, I, you know, I think as a as a kid, and you know, I grew up in a little town of about eight or nine hundred people, uh, Big Sandy, Montana, and, uh, uh you know, I, I think it, you know, a lot for a lot of people, you'd think it would be easy to get bored in a town like that, but I, I was a pretty high strung kid, and uh, my parents, my mom was a piano player and an artist, and. My dad was a farmer and a super hard worker, and and kind of the combination of those things, um, they just never really allowed me to get bored. They, you know, they if I started to act like I was bored, they'd say draw or go listen to music or go dribble the basketball or, and so you know, ever since I can remember, I've I was always doing something. You know, I was always had a project going. I always had, uh, you know, was always listening to music because I had friends that were really into music and. Um, I do, it doesn't feel like it's ever stopped. I feel like I'm 53 years old and I'm still sort of doing the same stuff I was doing when I was 12. You know, I get excited about skateboarding and playing my guitar and drawing a picture and uh, being active and being with my friends and family. So it's, it's I've been lucky in that regard that I've been able to sort of hold on to those things that I loved to do when I was a kid.
0: And what medium? Uh, you said drawing. Uh, also painting or, I mean, uh, with the arts?
1: Yeah, I mean I mean, you know, as a kid it was it was just drawing and it was mostly drawing to sort of make my friends laugh, you know, it was like drawing little cartoons and and that sort of parlayed itself into I went to art school for two years at University of Montana, um, in the early eighties and uh and then that just sort of continued uh when, you know, I was playing in bands, I've done a lot of the art for our album covers and collaborated with a lot of different artists and uh
0: still involved
1: with like you know doing t-shirts and stickers and working uh you know with not, not just Pearl Jam but other bands that I'm in and and so um it's it you know that stuff has never really stopped and, and in the last few years I've been painting again I actually a few years ago I went to uh a, a, a couple of uh uh artist workshops uh, there's a, a couple different artists I really dug and uh I you know spend 4 or 5 days at these workshops and I sort of got to fire back to paint again cuz I was painting a lot when I was in college. And the great thing is that there's no sort of end result for the painting. It's just sort of like painting to be a better painter and and access some part of my subconscious and try to understand myself better through it and and so that that part's been great because it's, you know, I'm 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 not doing it to like get a t-shirt done or an album cover done which is Largely what the last 25 years has been about, it's been pretty project based. So it's cool to kind of do art again and not, you know, have an end result waiting for me.
0: Nice. Well, and, uh, and as far as uh, having an agenda, uh, one of the artists actually, I have uh, something from Don Pendleton. Uh, what, uh, what do you yeah. say about yeah.
1: Jeff Amen? Tons of respect for him, very genuine guy, super hard worker. I think his success is the result of him loving what he does and he's constantly putting himself into it. Uh, he's super creative, probably more so than he gets credit for in a lot of ways. Um, definitely the heart of the skateboarder.
0: Okay. Uh, that was Don Pendleton. I don't know if you heard that. He forgot right. to introduce himself when he left that for me. but
1: <laughs> Right.
0: So, well, uh, D- Don,
1: Don, Don yeah. is like one of the I mean, working with him on a few projects. First was a little solo record that I did a few years ago, and then, uh, and then uh, working with him on the last Pearl Jam record. I mean, we've collaborated with like dozens of artists, and he was he was easily the the my favorite of anybody I've ever collaborated with because he was so open to my ideas, and I would send sketches to him, and if I felt like something that I was doing wasn't great. And I would ask, you know, we, we really would go into the lyrics and go into like the band and where the band was coming from, what we were, how we wanted to be represented. And he just like, just did such a great job at like, you know, going, you know, further and deeper, you know, with every little thing that we worked on. And it was just, it was always really exciting to wake up every morning because he, he's a, he's a, he stays up all night and I go to bed at about 11 and I wake up at six and walk the dogs. And, uh, so I'd wake up at six and I'd be on my phone walking the dogs and there'd be like, you know, something new that he worked all night on. And it was, it was almost always better. You know, it was almost always like there was more edge to it and there was more depth to the, you know, the piece that we were working on. And we, and we were working on like 12 or 13 different pieces for the record. Cause we were trying to, we were trying to come up with, uh, individual art for each song and so it was just it was a blast really fun collaboration
0: yeah he enjoyed it as well i think i asked him i actually had him on the show after uh pearl jam won the grammy for um the best art and you know he kind of shared about how he would listen to each song while he was you know painting or illustrating you know making the art for it so uh yeah good soul now um you speak about touching touching souls what touches your soul
1: well, I, I again, I think it's the I think it's the stuff that touched me when I was a kid, and it was, you know, oftentimes it was, you know, getting into that creative zone, and it, a lot of times it was by yourself. But then a lot of times it was like hanging out with your friends and and do, and working with your friends. And I know a lot of times, like you know, team sports like basketball and and, and Sandlot. You know, we played Sandlot baseball and football and stuff growing up that stuff doesn't cross over into skateboarding, but what that stuff taught me was it taught me how to work with other people and to, you know, to collaborate. And, like, the feeling, you know, the great feeling that it was when, like, you're working as a team and, you you know, like, you know, everybody was like, you know, it's, you know, it sounds stupid or whatever, but, it, you know, when it, everybody's acting team first and not self first, it's like... Good when good things happen, it's the greatest feeling because it's not um, it's not necessarily ego driven. It's like you know it's like it's how you want the world to feel about each other. You know you want to you know you want the world to sort of you know be able to collaborate and and make the world better. And, and I think uh, you know early on, like I had such a great group of friends growing up, and we had so much fun when we you know did anything. Didn't matter what we were doing. Um, that 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 taught me a lot about you know what you know like to get that good feeling you know that feeling that makes you feel like you, you know you're put on this earth to do something and to make it better. Um, I, I learned that at a young age and just hanging out with my friends and like being selfless, you know. And so, um, yeah that's you know that that that's what touches me that you know what touches me is working with other people and having people you know be as uh hungry to do something great or something you know good for the community or make great music or make a great skate park you know i i want to i really want to work with those people you know like i you know and not just that you know with the idea that I can help them, but i i I learned so much you know I learned so much being around people like that that you know have been working at things for so long and and uh especially some of these people in these small communities and stuff that they just want better things for their kids and their grandkids, so that's been really fun.
0: Any way you would consider running for president? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm not. i well, not throwing politics in here at all. Um,
1: yeah, I, I would never like <laughs> say that I belong in the conversation, but I think just about anybody could be in the conversation this year to some degree. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I'm 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 a I'm a liberal, so I I'm you know I'm I'm definitely going to vote for Hillary, but there's a there's sort of a part of you know all politicians that I just don't relate to, and that's sort of the...
0: The selflessness? (laughs) Or the unselflessness? Well, (laughs) well, yeah,
1: just the, you know... I mean, I love love Hillary, but she's, you know, she's been doing it for a long time, so there's sort of an entitled, you know, she's kind of representing the wealthy people of the country, and and I think that's the part that, you know, turns people off to her. Um, But that being said, (laughs) Donald Trump is like a hundred times worse so uh in in terms of that i mean they, that that guy has been 100% all about himself and about you know building his empire and you know he doesn't mince words about it it's like what he's after he he doesn't want to lower taxes to help you know the people of america he wants to lower taxes for himself you know it's like so you know yeah it's a, it's a it's a tough year to be excited about <laughs> the election, but I, that was well I hope put. people do get out vote <laughs> oh.
0: yeah, I know it is um, now, and also I know that you have been involved though, you mentioned your dad was a farmer and I've read also that you were involved with, I believe one of the senators in Montana that is really backing organics, um, <coughs> is that also from your family growing up as with your dad a farmer or where does that also come from, that's something I believe in so I, I was just really happy mm-hmm. to hear you see that
1: yeah, I mean, I grew up in a farm community and my dad, my dad we had a, we had a farm where we we raised pigs and chickens and cows and uh that that was always a part of growing up, but then my dad my dad also uh was a barber and uh the room next to the barbershop was his insurance shop. It was a really small town, and so he he had uh many hats and um uh I, I did a lot I worked alongside him my whole life, like, since I was old enough to carry a, you know, a garbage pail that, you know, to haul dirt or, you know, mix cement for the sidewalks around the house or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever project we were doing. But um, I, I met uh, Senator John Tester when I was a, a young kid. He he was about five or six years older than me, and he refed some of my grade school and junior high basketball games. And then when i was in eighth grade i got a job uh working for a wheat farmer uh, outside of town that was right next to his farm so um I i would see john and his family all the time because they were out you know plowing fields and doing all the stuff that i was doing driving tractor and cleaning up grain bins and and all you know all that fun manual labor that that the you know the young kid gets to do but um so we, we we stayed connected over the years, and he, you know, as he worked his way up through the state senate and all that, and then decided to run for uh, senator. I guess that was about uh, ten years ago when he first ran. Uh, it was an opportunity for me to ask the band if we, you know, if they wanted to get involved. And it was a, it was a really big election for the Democrats that year. Um, it sort of helped them keep uh, majority in the Senate. And John is one of those he's one of the rare politicians who's a real guy and like, you know, he's, you know, he's sort of as a aw shucks kind of Montana, small town guy. And, and it was, it it just seemed refreshing to me to have somebody like that uh, as part of the government, because I normally don't think of most of the congressmen as those kind of guys. So like the guy that goes home in the summer and plows the fields in between Senate sessions and, and, you know he'll be cutting his wheat in a week you know and he was just in a session a couple weeks ago so he that's uh it's it's sort of a breath of fresh air and it was exciting for us to sort of be involved with helping him win that you know the last two times and um and it's amazing that you know that that i was even in that situation where i could help him to the degree that i did and 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 that there's only 800 people in our little town growing up so you know, super proud that he's, you know, a senator, you know, and one of the good ones and and uh, happy to help.
0: That's, um, no, it's beautiful. And that's, you know, a Jordy Nelson, who plays for the Green Bay Packers, actually goes home every off season and he works on the family farm. And it's right. just always awesome when I hear that. And, you know, and then another brings up another point is, you know, the advantage of, you know, not a disadvantage, of coming from a small town, big Sandy How is that? I mean, it sounds like that has affected uh, your perspective and your life throughout as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I you know, by the time I mean, by the time I was fourteen, I I really hated the fact that I lived in that little town. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it had to do with the fact that you know my dad uh, threw us in the car, or at one point he'd fixed up an old school bus and do a camper. And every summer we would travel and we'd camp and we, you know, we went to Minnesota and Oregon and Seattle and went to California. We had cousins in California. And so by the time I was 14, I sort of knew what was out there. I sort of knew that, there, you know, like that there was like, you know, these amazing communities in California and Oregon and stuff where kids were had access to all sorts of stuff and we were seeing cool concerts and uh when I went to California, when I was 14, they had just built, uh, Campbell and Winchester skate parks, uh, in Northern California. And on my way, on my cousin's way to work, he dropped me off. I think I got to skate, uh, each of those parks twice. And, and, uh, but then I had to go back to Big Sandy and it was like, God, this sucks, you know, like, and so I I think, you know, there's a lot of good things about growing up in a small town and, and knowing your community and working with everybody, but then it also made me really want to get out, and it really, it really put a uh, kind of a chip on my shoulder to uh, to get out and to see the world. And and uh, you know, I think if I think if I had any really great wishes when I was 19 or 20, it was like if I could, if my job could take me around the world. You know, I think that was what I wanted probably more than anything, and and my dad sort of put that, you know, planted that seed in me as a kid, because he was, he always was that way, you know, like, he couldn't wait to, you know, he'd work hard all year, and then we'd take 10 days off, and, you know, like I said, we'd all get in the car and go somewhere, so.
0: Yeah, no, the same here, that's awesome, that's awesome, we actually, my mom ran out of gas in Eli, or whatever, going to Sun Valley one year, which we never went the long way ever again, but. Um, <laughs> so just, right, right. yeah that was not good they were chugging wine uh, to uh, get gas at five in the morning but um that's another story um you know you mentioned um big sand your dad having many hats as well you had a little you had some ramps going on at your house you dad you worked with your dad to build um hmm. has he been a part of what you have been doing recently or has he seen
1: well Well, I think he's probably as excited about that as he is like about me being in a band, if not more exciting. You know, excited about me, you know, going back to these small communities and and building these skate parks. Um, And that's the way it was when I was a kid. He didn't really care that much about, uh, you know, he, you know, I, I was actually a pretty good athlete, but I don't think that. I think what made him more proud was that I could build things with my own hands, and you know. Those are the things that he sort of related to, and so, um, you know, my best memories growing up with, you know, with my dad were, you know, him helping me build my first skateboard and showing me how to build a wedge kick tail and how to glue it on and clamp it and, like, you know, cut out the wheel wells and, you know. And then building all the ramps that we built, you know, like I would show him a picture and he'd say like, Oh yeah, we can do that. You know, this is how we'll cut a radius out. This is how we'll do, you know? And so it's sort of him giving me, you know, building skills and I think what he probably thought as being life skills. Um, And, uh, and I, you know, I, I still get that sense when he, you know, we just had a thing up in big Sandy and he was back working on his cabin back there and, he came down and hung out with a bunch of my friends and you know we had people from all over the planet there for that and you know i I, there's a real sense of pride that i see in him you know like and like i said i think there's probably as much or more with that than there is with music because i don't know if he uh can can completely understand or comprehend the music part of it because he's not a big music guy so but it's
0: cool no, that's cool. That is cool. Now you've had the opportunity, as you mentioned, to travel all over the world, and skate all over the world. From what I understand, yeah. Uh yeah. I, I saw a couple of the top five for you were on my top five list. But uh, Marseille, aparador I love Orcas, Lincoln. But what are the grind? Actually, I think you skated as well in the early in the early nineties. What are your... Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was was my favorite bowl.
1: (laughs) Where was that at? Sacramento?
0: Sacramento,
1: yeah. Yeah, I went to that bowl with Joel Gomez from Sessions, and that actually got me really fired up about skating again. Like, I was still skating a little bit, but, like, riding that bowl got me super fired up on skating. I was like, okay, I have to build one of these. Like, how do I do this, you know? And that kind of coincided with me hanging out a little bit um, at the West Seattle Bowl and the Grindline guys, and then at... That all
0: happened kind of quickly after that, but that's um, cool. That bowl was so fun. We'd I'd, we'd go down from Tahoe. Reese, Reese uh, Simpson and I would drive down and go skate um, from awesome. Tahoe. Um, but yeah, that park was was really fun. Um, I also have a soundbite from Joel as well. Um, but I'm well, gonna you mentioned Seattle again. You mentioned uh, different parks in Seattle. What uh, you also were involved with helping reply another friend, Mike Rankwitz, uh, vert ramp. Um, yeah. So, how how did that, I mean, that was kind of one of the first projects, I think, that you started, or, but I might be wrong, but uh, that you kind yeah, of started w- contributing with?
1: Yeah, that was, well, we we were doing some shows um, in Seattle, and, uh, you know, Renko was pretty good friends with Ed at that time, and uh, they've, you know, they needed to have it resurfaced, and so Ed, it might have been one of the first kind of bits of philanthropy that we ever did, which is funny, because you know i don't know if you know i don't know if renko was the most needy of people at that time he probably had as much uh, access to you know somehow getting his ramp replied um but uh yeah we played some shows and we gave some of the money to kind of to research put some new masonite on his ramp and and that sort of parlayed itself into helping out with the first seattle center skate park i think we Gave them a little bit of money for that, and then when they made it a concrete park, we gave them a bigger chunk of money. And that that was the first real, because our foundation just started, and I think we gave them fifty thousand bucks for that first for that the first concrete park in the Seattle Center. So that was the beginning of it.
0: And, and an attest as well to your team, your your bandmates of what you guys started with this foundation. Um, it seems to be a very special group of guys because you all have your different outlets of what you give, uh, and what the foundation represents. Uh, but how special is that? I mean, that's longevity of anything is phenomenal, but to do it with in music or in the arts, uh, or in sports is another gift. Um, have, I mean, how was that? I mean, did you guys all kind of bounce off each other and help each other in that aspect or how did that come about?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, it, you know, it. it it's sort of, you know, I think when you, you know, you've, we've been a band for 25 years and I think somewhere around the seven or eight year mark, we were sort of like, well, I can't believe we're still doing this, <laughs> you know, we were like, and we, and I think right, right around that time, like the seven or eight year mark, I think, I think we started like really listening to each other and through that we became better friends and I think. Doing the, you know doing the foundation and doing uh, you know you know whatever being involved with political or social events um, as a band I think those things uh, do wonders for your friendship and for your partnership too I think uh, just feeling like how much easier it is to affect change when they when all five of you are on board and 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 our manager Kelly Curtis too he's you know he's been you know between he and Nicole, uh, Vandenberg who runs our foundation, like they've been so great at like doing a lot of the legwork and, and, you know, getting things organized and, and, uh, so, so then it, then it turns into a thing. Then it turns into like, okay, we have the, we have the, a little bit of power here and we can, we can use a good chunk of our money that we make to affect change and to make things better and and to sort of fill some of the gaps in, that, you know, communities and uh, not not just like you know cities, but you know, communities that you know need money and resources and 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 you know the arts have really taken a big hit in the last you know 10 or 15 years, and so there's a lot of. Uh, Art organizations that we're involved with, and just trying to keep that stuff alive, you know, for young kids to have access to that stuff. So um, it's you know, it's it's been amazing. You know, it's like in some ways, I you know, it's it's it sort of feeds the creative side of us too because we we have this, uh, you know, we have this these communities sort of relying on us, and so you sort of you know, you you become driven buy some of that stuff and you, and you want to have success for those reasons you know like i want to build more skate parks so you know like yeah let's have let's let's write a, a hit song or let's you, know, let's you know let's put on a great tour and and make some money so we can do more good things because it's 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 addictive um you know especially when you've you know when you i don't know you but there's been so many great opportunities and so many great uh, situations that have come out of, you know, just us being a band, which is, you know, it's I don't really think about it that much, but just talking about it kind of makes me, you know, really stoked, you know, and really, really lucky to, you know, have these guys as my, as my bandmates. So
0: Yeah, no, it's a, definitely something you guys are making some special things happening. And I actually have, Jim Murphy is going to be joining us he is on the phone original obviously original uh alva pro uh editor of juice magazine wounded knee uh wow my i'm i'm fumbling right now sorry murph um founder founder of wounded knee and also a a big supporter of stronghold society uh mr jim murphy see everybody gets a mister here jim are you still there with us
2: (laughs) oh yeah man i'm hanging in there
0: Right on. Now, I am super excited to have you both on, you guys. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, the What is so neat is I want to hear, and I think people do want to hear, on how you guys met.
2: Well, I think, like, I got a phone call from Jeff. I, I don't know how he got my number. I don't know if he got it from Juice or <laughs> Charno and Rick, but um, he just called me one day. I'm walking around in In Sunnyside, New York, I get this phone call, and it's just like, hey, is this Murph? I'm like, yeah, who's this? He's like, oh, this is Jeff Ament. And I'm like, holy shit. And in my mind, I was thinking I saw it right back to 19... I think it was 91 or 92, where I saw Pearl Jam Live in New York City, when it was just gnarly. It was just like a killer live show. And I was just like, holy fuck, I'm talking to Jeff Ament. And... We just started talking, and he was just so normal, and he was just like a skater, and it was rad. I was just like, we started talking about, you know, traveling, buddies, skateboarding, and he evidently heard about what me and Kessler's vision was to get skateboards, and he just said, "Yeah, dude, you just find a spot, and I'll help finance it." So that's how we connected, and it was sick. I still, I still never forget that phone call. I still walk down that block in my neighborhood and I think about that. Yeah, like, we've come so far. And, uh, yeah, that's how we hooked up.
0: It's so, so special. I'm, uh, I, and I know Andy, I talk to Andy, as corny as whatever. I talk to Andy, and I ask him for advice. And I know he's smiling in Montana right now. And I know he's been <laughs> skating, you know. Like, I just felt when, you know, it's so rad. It's so beautiful. You know. So I've got a few sound bites here. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a few sound bites at you both.
2: Hi, my name is Jim Muir. Jeff Ament is a man okay. who plays the bass guitar. But he also puts himself in a position to do good things in this world. The guy
1: has an awesome skateboard collection and being an avid skateboarder, he
2: uses that interest to do great things to help out American Indians in his home state the world needs more people like jeff Aman.
0: okay so i had to sneak that in i've got a couple more sound bites and i might not be able to just stuff them into the show um but lots of love for both of you gentlemen um tony alva on you murphy is the king of queens alva team badass is what he texted me
2: oh nice right on man thanks tony <laughs> who loves the kid who loves you <laughs>
0: Yeah, and Olson also has a soundbite, and so does Joel Gomez as well for you, Jeff. Um, but I wanna, what I also want to share with you is a, a sound, actually a, some, he texted me, actually, or on uh, Instagram, the executive director from uh, the Stronghold Society on what an impact you have both made into his life. And he said, to both, these guys are key to all we do in our life La- our love, our our life, our live life call to action campaign. Spirits on a human journey, making a difference in the lives of others. Love these guys, Walt Poirier, executive director of Stronghold Society.
1: Yeah, uh, well, not, Walt, I, I, yeah Walt's, Walt's so great, and and I, I just want to say like. How powerful it was for me to, to to show up after we'd sort of been talking about building the park and Pine Ridge and and to see the Grindline guys like you know knee deep in mud and Murph out there, uh, you know in the middle of it and tents and you know Walt's out there and there's like ten local kids that are in you know in the mix like working their butts off and. And to see like how far like the, I don't know what it was eighty or ninety grand or something I think was what the first phase of that park uh, ended up costing and that was such a great example of like everybody just coming together and like giving it their all and and it was uh, you know everything about that time that that we spent out there uh, was. I don't know. It gave me a lot of, ju- it gave me a lot of juice, no pun intended, uh, to, uh, <laughs> to kind of keep the thing, keep the thing going and, uh, and to do more of it. And, and, um, uh, Murph has been so supportive of all the projects that I've been involved with. Like he's been out to Montana a few times and, and, you know, he, he's in the, he's in the middle of it, you know, and that sort of energy is, uh, I don't know, you just don't find that sort of energy that often, and it's uh, it's just so great to <clears throat> work, you know, with you, Murph, and, and to to be involved with these projects that we've been involved with, and to know that there's more on the horizon, and all that just gets me fired up, you know, so so thanks.
2: Jim? Yeah, oh. I can't, it's hard to hear Jeff, the I can't hardly, barely hear him.
0: Oh, oh, shoot, Okay. Um, well, he just well, uh, said some really nice things I was saying things good things. Yeah, a lot of good things. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the record. Cool. All
2: right, thanks, man. Sorry, it's
0: all garbled. I can barely hear. Oh.
2: Good Sorry. Sorry, Murph.
0: Oh, bummer, Murph. Um,
2: Scream it out, Jeff. Scream it out, <laughs> baby. Right. I, I thought it was. I yeah,
0: thought it it was. Yeah, you was. <laughs> um, are you under the bridge, Jeff? Are you under the bridge, Jim? Um, Jim? Uh, you know, am I what? Are you under the bridge? Are you having a trouble hearing me as well?
2: No, I can hear you. No, I'm just in New York. Maybe that's the problem, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you guys, how did this? I mean, obviously, Pine Ridge was the first um, park, and it sounded and very impactful for a, a very impoverished area with a high young suicide rate. Um, I mean, a devastating area. How did that all kind of come to be?
2: Well, um, when I met, I've been going out to Pine Ridge since 2005. And after I met with Arville Looking Horse, the holder of the Sacred Pipe, and I told him what I was doing with wounded knee skateboards, he said that what I was doing for the youth was a good thing and try to keep pursuing it. And eventually I met Walt Fourier who grew up on the Pine Ridge Reservation. He heard about what we wanted to do, and he said, yeah, let's make this happen. So we met Susie Eagle Bull from the Eagle Bull family, and she had some land right in Pine Ridge. She said, oh, yeah, we can build something here. because We already had, like, a, a scrappy little skate park with ramps that were built from some high school kids in Denver. So that was it. I called Jeff. I said, hey, Jeff, I think you got a spot. And Jeff was down, and then I talked to Monk from Grindline, And Monk from Grindline said straight up, the first park you guys build, I'm going to donate all my labor. So Monk Monk came in there. He told all all the guys on the crew, he's like, look, we're camping out. I don't want to spend any money on hotels. It's all the concrete. All the money's going to concrete. So they just busted out a park and camped out in six weeks, and they built a killer bowl and a street course. And Jeff was there the whole way, and Even when, like, funds started getting tight, Monk called me up and said, "Uh, I think we need a little more money. And I'm like, oh, dude, Jeff already gave a bunch. He's like, yeah, but we need this, this, this. And I contacted Jeff and said, hey, Jeff, Monk says we need more funds. And Jeff didn't even hesitate. He's just like, all right, for Monk, I'll do it. So, you know, Jeff, his spark that he gave this whole project, I mean, it wasn't even all about the money. It was just Jeff's heart. And his dedication to see something good go down in that area was incredible. I mean, the families were overjoyed. The kids were overjoyed. Um, That opening ceremony, when we went out there, the whole tribe lined up and shook all our hands. We got ceremonial blankets. And it was just the start of something incredible.
0: Yeah, beautiful. 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 Now, what was I that the blanket ceremony just seems unbelievably aweing and humbling, almost, um, and just um, to be given or have a ceremony for a blanket for you for you for a non-Indian? How was that for both of you?
1: Go for yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I mean that you know I've been involved with a few ceremonies and. Every time it sort of blindsides me a little bit, and and I and I grew, I grew up ten miles from the Rocky Boy Reservation, uh, and so to sort of feel like you're helping close the gap of like you know because there were there were a lot of racial tensions growing up uh, you know where where I grew up and and just to sort of you know reach across the you know, the isles of, you know, your, you know, the original Americans <laughs> and, and, and let them know that, you know, we're thinking about them and that we want to help and, and that we're here and, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to explain everything that, you know, went on that day in Pine Ridge and, and how powerful it was to, shake the hands of all those people and to hear stories from families that had lost you know kids to suicide and different things and so uh um you know it still gives me a lot of strength when i think about that day so it's you know
2: it was amazing
0: and jim are you still there
2: yeah yeah i mean my reaction was it was incredible the the whole ceremony, we didn't even expect it, and it kind of came out of nowhere. And just being there and just seeing the happiness in the kids, you could just see in the kids' eyes and their amazement on having a skate park and just seeing them happy and exuberant. And with the energy they are skating around with, you could really see the true Lakota spirit, the pure spirit of a people from when back in the day they roamed the land, they fed themselves, they hunted, they followed the star knowledge, and there's been so much put down on them since then. But that day, you could see the true spirit of the Lakota people. So I was completely blown away and honored, you know. It was it was something that, you know, some people really didn't have a lot to give, but just to get a handshake from somebody and for them to look you in the eye and say thank you, that's, that's all I needed, you know. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. now I know Jeff you I and we don't want to keep you too long I do have one more question for you specifically that someone on Twitter asked um, uh, Danielle from Twitter and she wanted to know uh oh see now I can't find it um, too many notes too many notes for both of you guys <laughs> I'm like, damn I'm like I'm going to write a novel here Um, but they want, she wanted to know what was the deciphering factor on building these new parks and how were, how were the communities chosen? Was it through some analysis or was it through your experience or how, you know, I, I'd read that it's every 150 miles or every hour and a half you guys kind of want to try to build a new park is what, how, how did that happen or how, how are you guys deciding?
1: Well, well, um. When we built the park uh, on the Blackbird Reservation, we, we knew that they had had a little indoor park there. Um, I'd met two kids in St. Ignatius, uh, uh, which has a, a great little park just south of Flathead Lake. Um, and uh, so I, I, I started reaching out to some people. I actually called uh, John Tester, the senator, and they put me in touch with uh, a couple people in the tribal council. And uh, I went up and had a meeting with them and it happened really quickly it took us out to a couple different possible locations and and uh when we when we finished when we finished that park we sort of decided that we were going to uh you know we were going to keep reaching out and and we I, I made a list of about 10 or 12 towns and cities in the state that uh seemed like made sense it would sort of connect the dots to the parks that were already here in the state And, uh, immediately, um, a few towns reached back to me and, uh, one of them got built this year in, uh, on the Fort Belknap Reservation in Hayes, uh, which, uh, Murph and I just went out to. And, uh, there's sort of a little bit of a groundswell right now that, you know, there's about probably 10 communities that have sort of reached back to us in the last six months. Um. Uh, Belgrade, Livingston, and Hamilton, and, and uh, Lewistown are all trying to get parks built right now. And then uh Four Peck Reservation and the Crow Reservation, and Wolf Point, and a few other, Libby, a few other places are, you know, they're trying to get on board. So I, th- I think we have enough to do for the next three years probably because we're trying to build, you know, somewhere between three and four parks a, a year or so.
0: And uh, um, last week, just Thunder Park uh, had their grand opening, and then on August 13th, Hayes on the Ford at Belknap Reservation as well?
1: Yeah, Yep. yeah, yeah.
0: Nice. Okay, and yeah. any any way for people, uh, where would you want me to direct, or where do we want to direct people that want to find out how they can help?
1: Um, well, I don't really have anything set up other than uh, there's, there's the band foundation, and then I have my own foundation, Montana okay. Pool Service, and, um, and between those two things, we sort of take care of the, the, the financial part of it. And so it sort of simplifies, um, you know, just trying to raise money and, and 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 to have a committee and all that stuff. And it, it feels like working directly with the communities and the skate park builders and the fact that, you know, we get to work with Evergreen and Dreamland and Grindline who are like three of the four or five best, skate park builders and the planet, um, it just feels like we're in a perfect environment to, you know, like they're so close to us, and most of the time they're so game to come out uh, to this part of the world because it's kind of the Wild West, and and um, they have a lot more creative freedom with these parks, and, uh, you know, we're just really lucky to be in the in the you know situation that we're in, um, and I can't wait to do more, and I can't wait to do more with Murph.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yep. you know, thank you so much, Jeff.
1: All right. Th- thanks 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 Israel. Let you I let you uh,
0: Yeah, cuz I could keep going. I told you I had a novel here, you know. We didn't even get to talk about your steak <laughs> <snake> collection. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> you're awesome. Thanks, Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right.
1: Love you guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. See you, right.
0: Jeff. Awesome. Awesome. Huge thanks. Okay, now. So, if you're just tuning in, so that was a little hectic. That was not hectic. That was wonderful, but I was I'm a one-man army, so I'm, I was doing a little juggling over here. Murph, are you still with us?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: I'm here. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so I've got, um, I do want to play, um, I do have a sound bite for you as well. I had, and so we're going to load that, but I'm going to keep going on. So you, Wounded Knee, you kind of briefed us a little bit, and Jeff and you spoke about Wounded Knee. Started. You started this in 2006 with? Um, Andy, really fun story, no, was, or 2001?
2: It, it was 2008. Uh, we were at the Riverside Drive Skateboard Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy had just built a metal skateboard park at 108th Riverside to help with some other underprivileged youth. It was a youth program. So me and Andy have been skating big boards all our lives, and there's only possible sticks available. So for a while we were trying to figure out a hardcore name for our skate company and as soon as we kicked him around, and then he said, well, you know, we had just sessioned this metal ramp. We're all banged up. So, of course, Kessler and his typical New York sarcastic kind of sense of humor goes, well, why don't we call ourselves Wounded Knee? And as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, dude, that's a heavy name. If we're going to if we're gonna use this name, it's going it to have to be about true Native American history, and we're going to come up with some killer graphics to represent those who died at that massacre. And the more I read about it, the more we talked about it, we realized that it was happy. But our vision as skateboarders, we're like, well, let's do this. In memory of those who died of wounded knees, why don't we someday envision skate parks for the kids on that res? So that was our vision from the beginning. And we had no idea how we were going to do it because we were broke. We are just a couple little knucklehead skateboarders, but we had this crazy dream, and somehow we were going to get it done. So that's how it all started. So we started making big boards and just started trying to get the, get out there and make connections, and eventually we made those connections. But it took a long time.
0: Yeah, it's been amazing. So.
2: Hey, this is Steve Olson. Yeah, and you unfortunately know, Kessler died, so he we never got to see the parts Thursday that got built. You know? that. Yeah, but I know his spirit's Olson. alive for sure. No. Every time I go out there i got a, we remember Andy Kessler's skateboard that we make, and I hook up a local out there and he rides him all the time out there and he's got killer surf skate style and uh it's sick so Kessler's alive and well out there for sure
0: yeah i i had i was i had visuals I had really some really special strong visuals of him just smiling and just and rolling around um oh yeah. You know, it it, oh, yeah. it it was. I don't know. Just it really resonated really strongly with me. You know, there's so much going on. I mean, you've got so many. You, you are such a, a a wonderful humanitarian as well, and giving back and with what you've done with Wounded Knee and with Juice. Um, you know, as editor of Juice magazine as well. What um, this generation. And the reason why I want to bring this up is there it's such a polar opposite of what's going on with the reservations and what you guys are doing and sharing. Um, how is the importance of mentoring right now even more crucial um, with these, you know, with well, this generation of, of, you know, entitlement and no history and no, you know, I mean, of a lot of these other kids, you know. You
2: well, know, I think, re- well, to understand – how it's relevant to what we're doing. When well, we built yeah. this skate... I mean, we built, when we built these skate parks over the years, I literally have kids coming up to me and saying, if it wasn't for this skate park, I would have killed myself. Mm. And that's like, that's not a joke because I don't find it, There's a huge suicide wave that comes, comes on during the year and um, we have little girls and boys killing themselves. And sometimes the skate park is the home and it's the one place they can go and it becomes their therapy for all like the gnarliness that they're dealing with out there. So that's the direct opposite of maybe people who are spoiled and, you know, are skating and, you know, and it's just, it's totally reservation life is completely the opposite of your normal suburban life. So, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain beauty and the connectivity that if those kids have to skateboarding out in Pine Ridge, for example. And like the kids on the Montana res is where you see them skating and you see them adapt and they're so hungry and they're just so unspoiled and unjaded that they just love it. And they just do it for the right reasons. And they're not skating to get sponsored. They're skating to survive. They're skating to live. They're skating to sweat and just have fun. And there's a real lesson to be learned if you were to go out there and just watch these kids. I mean, I've seen little kids show up in Walmart boards, hardly skatable, dropping into an 8-foot bowl and doing salvo lines on trucks that don't turn. And I'm just looking at them going, that kid is incredible. That kid just doesn't realize how gnarly it was, number one, to drop into in an 8-foot bowl of pool coping, and number two, just to draw that line that he did And he has nobody else but himself to figure that out, and he's just going with the flow. So, I mean, there's a certain... there. You can see kids today where everybody's on their phones, everybody's, you know, connected to the Internet, and that's their, like, kind of survival mode, where when you get out into the country, it's not so much. More kids off their phones, outside, sweating, skating, and... And they're, they're just building a root system now in skateboarding. And you can just see when they go to Denver and they see what's going on in Denver when we have events there, they just, you know, they bond with that community and they skate, and it just gives them more inspiration to travel the country. So, yeah, I mean, the generations now, it's hard to say, you know. I mean, it's it's just going so huge with all the skate park building, and the Olympics are coming on. And you can have all the opinions about the Olympics, but the fact that it's coming and skateboarding is getting more and more accepted. You just gotta figure out your way and how you wanna negotiate that. And how hardcore you wanna be or the idea of selling out or not selling out. It's just a whole it's just a whole new generation and they're gonna figure it out and they're gonna do it the way they want.
0: Yeah. No, and I, because you you know, you do you, you bring up points that we don't normally you know, aren't witness to, you know, of what's going on in the reservations, you know, uh, with some of these kids. What has been the most impactful moments for you with being a part of these parks?
2: What is the what? What was that again, Desiree?
0: Most impactful or, uh, you know, what has touched you the deepest? You mentioned a few it things touched. just a moment ago. Yeah.
2: Well, the 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 deepest moments are when you have parents showing up and watching their kids. You got you got cowboys, you know. Most guys on the res are cowboys, so they roll up to the skate park with their kids or a kid rides up on a horse, and the dads sit there with their hands on their hips or looking around in a cowboy hat and boots, and they're proud of their kid. Or you have a mom that would like come up to you crying and saying, thank you. So, you know, it, get, it, get, it gets heavy like that, and that's the, the most touching part. It's just to see parents, like all parents around the world, just want to see their kids happy. So when you see a parent happy because their kid is happy, you know, that's the most important thing. The most important thing is that it's not that the kid is doing front side grinds. The most important thing is this kid now has a sense of community, has a sense of family. He's having fun, he's smiling, and his parents are there, and they're feeling communal. They're doing something together. That's the most touching and that's something that every time I go out there it just gets bigger and bigger. So just the, seeing the communities come together and that's what we're trying to do out there. There's a lot of families that hate on each other and battle each other. Our master plan is to build more skate parks out there, get the kids united, get the kids from all the different communities united so they're just skaters and they're not going to hate each other because of what their last name is. They're going to skate and then they're trying to Get past all, like, the hatred that might be going on between families. You know, we want to unite the youth. And that's another thing that we want to do with these skateboard parks is just unite the youth and get past the negative and just try to keep things as positive as possible.
0: Uh, and uh, if you're just tuning in, you can you can follow Jim on Instagram at Wounded Knee Skateboards. Is that the best way? Yep. Okay and then yeah, I Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then I have a soundbite actually I was gonna try to play for you uh, from Steve Olson. So here i I tried to play it earlier, but I don't think you heard it, so hopefully you can hear it. Okay. All right. Here we go.
1: Hey, this is Steve Olson. You know
2: when Murph skates, it's Murph's turf. That's that. Hey Murphy Olson.
0: All right. Did you were you able to hear that? No. <laughs> oh, okay all right well, I will send you that um the audience hopefully did hear that um it said when Murph skates um it, it, i'll I'll send it to you it's it's kind of okay. sweet. it's short and sweet and it's nice so um God no. bless <laughs> yeah he definitely he came he got back right back with me on that as well, which was really cool and now uh, wounded knee um all these montana skate parks, obviously South Dakota as well. Um, did you ever foresee what you started with Wounded Knee to have such an impact?
2: Well, I didn't. I th- I knew that someday it could have an impact. It was just a matter of how the hell we were going to get there because I knew it was all about funding. So that's where a guy like Jeff Amanda who stepped in is something that – it was really the spark that made it happen because the res don't have money. So, you know – God bless Jeff Amant, because once Jeff got involved, then we got Vans involved. They made some Pearl Jam shoes, some proceeds from those shoes went to the Skate Park build. The Tony Hawk Foundation got involved. So, yeah, Jeff Amant's the hero, man. That guy gets stuff done. That guy has a huge heart. He's a skateboarder. And once I saw Jeff get involved since 2011... Everything that's come after that, it's been amazing. Because every other little skate park we want to build, Jeff's like, all right, well, the next one, I'm going to give you money for that, too. It's just, matter of fact, like, yep, let's do this. So once you have a guy like Jeff on board, you know stuff's going to happen. And just what he's doing up in Montana, we're just the vision of building a skate park every hour, an hour and a half away from each other. You know, (laughs) He's just like, yeah, dude, I'll go on tour again, make more money, and we'll put some more skate parks up. I mean, the guy's a skateboarder. He's the raddest dude, man. Yeah. No. So cool. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I mean, when we hang out with him, my first time I hung out with him, our first little tour, we show up at a park, he pulls out the box, and all we listened to was early punk rock, Black Flag, <laughs> Dead <laughs> Kennedys, Fear, Adolescents, Sex Pistols, and we just toured around. We went to all these different parks to help get built. And it was like 1983, man. And we were just skating and laughing. And we are a bunch of older guys just grinding, you know. And it was just so pure and fun. And once you see these parks he built and you see the kids doing the same thing, nothing's going to stop Jeff. So I'm, I'm along for the ride, and it's a killer ride. Just
0: ask Pineapple. He'll tell you. Yeah, I, I, I miss getting in touch with Pineapple as well. No, and there's so many beautiful people involved with helping. I would love to help at some level um, as well. So I'll let, you, you know, I'll let Jeff know and you know that as well. However I can help, I'd love to. Um, thank you guys. Thank you so much for what you have done and staying true to your heart and what skateboarding saves lives. Oh heck, yeah,
2: it really does it's like it's not a joke. it's not like it's something we grew up saying, but, but what we're doing out there right now is literally doing it so anyway, you can spread the word anybody who wants to help or get involved. you can try to contact Jeff or me you know woundedne skateboards dot net and see what we're all about we Levis did a film about what we're doing, so if you go on my website on the home page, you can see the film and it's just right on it's just Everybody wins. It's just the more good you put in, the more good that's coming out of it. So thank you, Desiree, for giving us the opportunity to talk. It's rad. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Murph. All right. We've run out of time. Uh, Huge thanks, Murphy. This is The Desiree Show on World Tune Radio. And thanks, you guys, for tuning in. Super, super grateful and thankful for both of your time tonight. Uh, Two phenomenal philanthropists, humanitarians. This is Desiree Starga. Thanks so much for tuning into the Desiree Show. We're skateboarding and the NFL meet, first downs and flip tricks. You can follow at the Desiree Show on Instagram or on Facebook, or check me out on Twitter at the Desiree underscore Show. Have a dynamite week, and I'm out.